This is True Parenting Audio, episode 38. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Smithson, and this is True Parenting Audio, the podcast where parents will find inspiration and practical parenting tips that not only change kids' behavior, but build powerful cycles of continuous growth in your family through the principles of teaching, relationship, and upgrading yourself. Thanks for joining us in this journey to be a true parent. Today we're going to be talking about three ways to stop parental frustration before it starts. But first, let's start out with a quote. Stephen Wright, the comedian, said, Everywhere is within walking distance if you have the time. So hopefully that quote will be a little bit more meaningful by the end of our podcast today. But I want to get started and talk to you about a little bit about frustration and how that comes about and some things that we can do about it as parents to prevent it. And obviously frustration is normal. It's it's normal to feel frustrated from time to time about things that happen in our lives, including things our children do and interactions we have with them. But it's also not a very pleasant feeling. And there are things that we can learn to do and things that we can be aware of in order to prevent frustration from happening in the first place. So I want to start out by telling you a a brief story. A couple years ago, I I decided that for Christmas, I was going to make some gifts for each member of my family. Each of my kids were going to be starting school that year. And so my wife and I, we homeschool the kids, and we wanted to start some new math programs with them. We use a program that uses a lot of, of uh, Asian-based math principles. And so we were talking about getting them an, an abacus. And so I decided that I was going to go and make an abacus for each of my sons that were starting school. So to preface this story, I just want to let you know that I'm not a great woodworker. Tools and working with things in in my father-in-law's shop are not my greatest strength, but my wife really appreciates things that I create for her. She grew up in a family where that was very prevalent and that was something that was a way that they shared love with one another and so I've kind of made that a practice as I've married my wife and as we've grown together in our family to start to do more of those types of things. So with that knowledge, let's go back to my story about the abacus. I I went down to my father-in-law's shop, which they just live about a half mile from my wife and I. And so I went down to the shop and and it was cold outside because it was December. We were getting ready for Christmas. And I went in there and I was I was excited about what I was going to make for my children for Christmas. And so I went in 
and I started working, cutting out the pieces for the sides, and I had to decide what I was going to put through as, as dowels to hold the beads so that they, for counting on the abacus and, and all those types of things. So I started to put these things together, and as I started to work, my brother-in-law, who is a fantastic carpenter and woodworker, walked into the shop. And while I was there in the shop, we were both working kind of side by side, and he was creating something for his family for Christmas, for his little girls. And he had decided that he was going to make his little girl a crib for one of her dolls. And so he went to work on this 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 uh, cradle for a baby doll. And as he went to work, he was much more efficient with the tools and and went at a much faster pace than I did. And pretty soon, I was getting to the end of my project, and he finished his project right before I got done with my abacus. So he called over to me and he said, hey, Andy, come take a look at this. And I went over and there stood the most beautiful cradle I had ever seen. This is one of those cradles that you could go and buy off of the internet somewhere for hundreds of dollars. And he had done it in the same amount of time that I had put together these two abacus. At that point, I looked at what I had done and I looked at where I was and what I was trying to do at that moment and became very, very frustrated. Something that I had just previously, just moments before, been so excited to share with my children became something that I was almost embarrassed of. And the incredible thing from there was what happened next. My brother-in-law left the shop, and I had become so frustrated that I started to fumble around with the tools, and I started to become more and more upset and frustrated and angry with what I had created and it was making things more difficult, and I actually ended up making more mistakes. In the end, I had to actually leave my workshop there for a couple hours and come back and finish it because I had been so frustrated with, with my own performance. And after that, I went home, and it even kind of it showed. My wife knew that I was frustrated, and she allowed me to cool down and, and everything went, went okay the rest of the evening. But my frustration stemmed from some different things we're going to talk about here in a minute that not only apply to my frustration in regards to using tools and making things with my hands, but also apply to the things that we become frustrated about with our own children their behaviors, and our interactions with them. A while back, I had a message from a friend um, from growing up on Facebook. Well, she, she left this message on my Facebook account. She said, I'm really struggling with my son. He's eight this next month, and frankly, most days I'm struggling just not to lose my cool with him. He's very aggressive. He does not handle change well, and even... When he's the one that causes a problem, he doesn't see his fault in the situation. He loves to pick on his sister, which I know is normal, 
But he ends up kicking her or hitting her or squeezing her as tight as he can. At this point, it's beyond me and I'm extremely frustrated. Can you relate in any way? I know that all of us at some point, whether it's just because of the noise in the house or because of uh, repeated behavior that you've told your children a million times to stop, we become frustrated at times. And that frustration can bleed over and to and affect how we interact and ultimately what happens with our children after that, how they then react or respond to our behavior with them. So what do these two stories or circumstances have in common? And what is it that causes us to become frustrated? Frustration is a precursor to anger. A lot of times people will refer to anger as a secondary emotion because other emotions emotions generally come before it. And frustration is one of those emotions. The great irony of frustration is that the very thing that we become frustrated about actually becomes more frustrating as we become frustrated because our performance decreases or our reaction becomes more detrimental to the thing and in turn leads to this cycle of becoming more frustrated and having more problems and becoming more frustrated and having more problems. So I want to talk for a few minutes about a few things that we can do to address these primary causes of frustration and therefore keep us from ending up in that cycle in the first place. So the first thing, unmet expectations When we have an expectation of something and we don't reach that expectation, it generally ends up becoming a frustrating situation for us. When we have unmet expectations, there's really only a couple things we can do. We can either increase our performance to the level of our expectation, or we can decrease or lower our expectation to the level of our performance. Or I guess there is a third option, and that third option is to create a happy medium and meet somewhere in the middle. So one of the things that we can do to evaluate our expectations is to ask ourselves whether or not what we expect of our children, if our expectation is realistic. Sometimes we require things of our children that are above their developmental ability, and sometimes we have to evaluate if that expectation is realistic to what what they're capable of doing at this time in their lives. So when we find ourselves becoming frustrated on a regular basis about specific behaviors or maybe power struggles that you're having with your children, it's important to take a step back and to look at our child's perspective as well and to evaluate those preconceived expectations that we dream up and compare them with our children's expectations to create a more healthy, positive expectation that you can both agree upon. So the second thing that we talked about is to evaluate what we can control. Control, we've talked about before, is really an illusion, and we can influence our children's behavior, either positively or negatively, But ultimately, they have control over what they will do. And so to evaluate what you can control versus those things that you can't control 
is very important in decreasing our own personal frustration with our children and with day-to-day life. So something we can do is to take a step back and evaluate what needs to change. If we can control something, what are the things that we can change? What can I control in this situation or what can I do rather than what does my child need to change or how can I make him or her comply? With those things that we can't necessarily control, it's also important to be able to accept that and move forward, understanding that those things are outside of our control. And the third thing is to challenge our own limiting beliefs. In the story that I told you at the beginning of our episode today, there are some things that, that I've uh, thought about a lot since that instance that I limit my own abilities with building and working with tools because of my belief or comparison to my in-laws because they're, they're so good at it. And I've compared myself to them rather than just looking at what it is that I want to accomplish and being happy with, with that and being able to continue to work towards that and to master that at differing levels as I grow and realizing that I can do that, that I'm capable of doing it. And the truth of the matter is, is that Christmas when my boys opened those, those abacus up, they were thrilled and they thanked me over and over and they've used those ever since then in their schooling. Those are kind of a mainstay of their math experience. And so to limit ourselves as well as our children can also lead to a lot of frustration. Sometimes we create labels for ourselves or for our children, and those labels lead to frustration because they limit us in in our ability to overcome certain obstacles. When I use absolute words like always or never, or I refer to, yeah, he's the aggressive one, or yeah, she's shy, I limit what they can do and it creates a feeling that this obstacle or this one behavior that we're dealing with is never gonna change and it's just part of who they are and that's always going to be frustrating to us. And so each time it comes up, we become frustrated before we ever employ empathy or problem solving or any of the solutions that we've learned and know work. It can be extremely helpful to identify our distorted limiting beliefs and identify specific words and phrases to actively challenge those distorted limiting beliefs with positive statements or affirmations that you can believe. Simple statements like, it's okay, or I can do this, or I have awesome kids, can often be enough to challenge and change our limiting beliefs in the moment. So in closing, I want to just review again those three things that often lead us to frustration in our lives and and remember what what we can do about those three things to prevent frustration in the first place and to have healthier, happier interactions with our children. So the first is evaluating our unmet expectations and adjusting those expectations. 
The second is to evaluate our inability to control. And third is to evaluate our limiting beliefs and to adjust those as well. Sometimes it can be hard to be aware of those different expectations and those feelings of, of wanting to control a situation and being aware of our own limiting beliefs. That's one of the reasons I created the Quick Calm Toolkit is to increase our own personal awareness and our ability to calm ourselves to a point where we can work through those things mentally and come to a better place emotionally. And so if you would like to get a copy of the Quick Calm Toolkit, go on over to www.trueparenting.net slash toolkit and you can download that for free at any time. And I appreciate everybody that has already downloaded that and for the feedback that I've gotten on it. If you have any questions or any feedback for me, go ahead and send me an email at andysmithson at trueparenting.net. Thanks again for listening to True Parenting Audio, and have a great day.